Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc or you can visit us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 9.15 and 11 a.m. Well, that's just a snapshot of two stories of literally hundreds of stories that have been written over the last four plus years uh, through this family called The Exchange. And from the very beginning, we said that we wanted to be a family that was really, really good at celebrating what God has and what God is and what God will do. And so that's what today really is all about. It's a celebration of what God has done. It's a celebration of God's faithfulness, a celebration of God's generosity to us. And over the last few weeks, if you've been with us, we've been in a series that we've been called more. Uh, and so today we're kind of wrapping that up in a, in a day that we're calling Generosity Sunday. And so if you've got a copy of Scripture, I want to invite you to go ahead and jump in with us to Ephesians chapter 3. Um, Ephesians chapter 3 in the New Testament is where we're going to be today. The last couple of verses of that chapter is where we'll um, jump off in just a second. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, whether it's digital or hard copy, we'll put it up on the screen just for you to track along. Um, the reality today is that we serve and worship a generous God. Uh, I mean, I'm not talking about he's like just kind of generous, but he is exceedingly generous. I mean, he is rich to us if you have not been able to see just over the last few minutes. Um, and so today I want us to look at just two verses, um, the last two verses of Ephesians chapter three, to see some ways that our God is generous to us. And what we're going to read today, just to kind of put a little context on it, we're going to read a prayer that Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. And so just a second, we're going to kind of look at the last two verses of what Paul prays to this church at Ephesus. And so let's read together Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. This is what Paul writes. He says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Paul says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Now, Paul is talking about God, and he's talking about God's generosity. And so Paul just kind of seconds the statement I made a second ago to say God is not just generous, but he is literally immeasurably generous to us. That is the character of who he is. But he also says, hey, part of God's character is that he longs to demonstrate his generosity to us as his children. He says, according to his power that is at work within us. And so I don't know your view of God today, but what Paul is telling us is that God's not just some mighty being that sits out there in the sky and, and is just has all things and has power over all things and does whatever he pleases. But Paul says part of God's character is that he longs to reveal and demonstrate his faithfulness and his generosity to us. And then we begin to see in verse 21, I believe what are three different ways that I want us to look at in our short time together today, just three different ways that God demonstrates that generosity to us. And the first thing that Paul lists is, he says, God demonstrates his generosity in the church. In the church. Now, if you're new to us, this is your first time here today. One, thanks for being in the house. But two, it's kind of an understanding in our house that the church is not a building, but the church is the people of God. Because let's be real today, okay? You came to an old shopping center. Like, that's what you did this morning. And had you walked in and no one else would have been here, one, it would have been really awkward for you, all right? Two, all right, it would not have felt very much like church, Okay, but throw a few hundred people in the mix and have us all pursuing Jesus together. And all of a sudden you got church. And so what Paul says here is, is he says, God demonstrates his generosity in the church. 
Now, some of you may remember back to the very uh, first Sunday of 2016, I believe it was January 3rd, we opened up to this very same passage, Ephesians 3, and we walked through the last eight verses, verses 14 through 21 of that passage, and we looked at that in a message that I called immeasurably more. Now, if I'm honest with you, I had no idea on that day when we opened that up to begin 2016 that 10 months later I'd be looking at you in the same passage. But as a part of that day, we we read the prayer that Paul prayed, and then we said, how could that encourage and change and challenge us in the way that we live individually and as a church in 2016? And if you remember and you were here on that day, we kind of gave out these little prayer cards that had verses 14 through 21 printed, and we gave everyone one, and we said, hey, here's what we challenge you to do. Go pray some of the things that we've talked about today, about being rooted and established in love, about strengthening our faith, about consistently praying to God. We said, go pray these things for you, for your family, and for our corporate family as a church. And now I realize that some of you, you were not here at that point. Some of you, you lost your card, you forgot to pray, whatever the case. But there were some people who, who were really serious. They're really intentional about that. And so I want to take just a minute and I want to tell you about the generosity of God to us in the church just over the last nine months, all right? In January, we saw 120 people sign up for our door holder appreciation night. That's our volunteers. That's as many volunteers as we had people, including children, three and a half years before at our very first ever gathering. In January, we saw 160 people sign up to connect with life groups. In February, we sent 60 junior high and high school students to Collide Weekend, which was double the number that we did the previous year. Of those 60 students, 30 of them went fully scholarshiped. Why? Because you guys gave $3,000 to Collide Weekend because you believe Jesus could impact the next generation. And students went to Collide Weekend and met Jesus for the very first time. On Sunday, February the 7th, we saw 434 people show up, which was 100 more people than the week before. Also on February 7th, we saw seven people respond to a clear presentation of the gospel through day one of the Own It series. Later in February, we had to cap signups for our first Unite membership class because of max capacity. On February the 28th, we closed out February by seeing 17 people baptized on day one day, which was the largest number we'd ever seen on one day in the history of the exchange, and 426 people showed up to celebrate with them. In March, we served hundreds of people as a part of the largest ever Mayor's Easter Egg Hunt. And then, oh yeah, on the next day, 600 people showed up to this building as a part of our three Easter gatherings. In April, we saw 50 students take part in Collide and Serve Color Day, where they packed 10,000 meals with students from around the area and Stop Hunger Now. In May, we saw three families stand before the church and bow to raise their children to honor the Lord as a part of our family dedication on Mother's Day. We saw back-to-back nights in May of 100 junior high and high school students attend the first nights of Student Life Squad Wars across the summer. Also in May, we closed out nine months of impacting our first ever sponsored class where we invested for nine months in 12 children and their families and the three teachers who taught them. In June, we saw an average of 75 first through fifth graders attend Camp Kid Life across four nights and over 150 people show up to this place for family night. In June, we funded and packed and sent 150 compassion kits to the other side of the world to help plant three house churches in the Middle East. 
In June, we, on June 26th, to close out that month, we closed out the Alive in Us series by watching 18 people take their next step of faith through Believer's Baptism. And on that day, we watched the 99th person in our four years together take their next step of faith through baptism. Oh yeah, and 456 people showed up to celebrate with them. We can clap for that. That's a good thing. In July, in July, we took over 100 people to hang out at Exchange Night with the Mississippi Braves. We saw another 25 more people come through our Unite membership class. Also in May, June, and July, we saw the three highest giving months of the year so far. Oh, yeah. And if you talk to anybody in church world, giving does not go up in the summer. Giving goes down. In August, we decided to kick off the new school year by not just sponsoring one class, but we took on two classes for this year. And you guys started their school year by packing their rooms full of school supplies just because we love Jesus and we love what he's doing in our city. In August, we saw another two Sundays with over 400 people in attendance, and we saw our biggest days ever in our kid life and little life ministries to preschoolers and elementary students. In August, we also celebrated our official four years together as a church. In September, we saw another 400 people show up on Labor Day weekend when all of you guys are supposed to go out of town and sleep late. And right now, we are consistently seeing, on average, a hundred more people this year over what we saw last year, and the list goes on and on and on, and there's still three months to go. And that's just one little bitty church in Pearl, Mississippi, among the millions of churches around the world. So should someone look at you and say the church is dying, oh, may we remind them that as long as Jesus is alive and he is victorious, the church is alive and the church will exist and the church will thrive and God will demonstrate his generosity in the church. And we are really, really, really grateful for that. Second way that Paul says that God demonstrates his generosity is in Jesus in Jesus. Verse 21, Paul says this. He says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Now, when Paul says in Jesus, what he's referring to is something that he just said in Ephesians 2. So I want us to kind of flip back and check out what Paul says in Ephesians 2. Some of the greatest news in all of the New Testament. In fact, it is the greatest news in all the New Testament. Ephesians 2 verse 17. This is what Paul writes. He says, he, meaning Jesus, says he came and he preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, meaning Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Verse 19, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Here's what Paul's trying to explain. He says, hey, there are two groups of people. There are the Jews and there are the Gentiles, right? Now, the Jews, for hundreds of years, the Jews were God's people. They were the favored people of God. They had the promises of God. They lived with that favor. On the other hand, the Gentiles were not. They were people without hope. They did not know the promises of God. They were far from him, as Ephesians 2 says. But what Paul is unveiling for the first time in all of history, you've got to imagine yourself in this, for the first time in all of history, he's saying because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus has opened access for Jews and Gentiles to be welcomed in to the family of God. That's what Paul's unveiling. And what we understand today as the church some 2,000 years later is that you and I were and are the Gentiles. We were outside to the plans and the purposes of God. 
Like we were lost and without hope. Does that define anybody's story? It did mine for a season. We were trying to make sense of life on our own, but we could not. But what Paul says happened is through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, he destroyed the barrier that kept the Gentiles on the outside. And Jesus ripped open the gate to eternal life for all who would choose to trust in him. That's what Paul is saying here. So the good news today is even if you feel far away from God, in other words, maybe you haven't talked to him in forever or ever, you are welcomed and loved by him. And if you are near to God, in other words, if you're walking with him and you're trying to live a life of surrender to trust him with all that you are, oh, you're loved and you're welcome too. And Paul says, even though we were once all foreigners and strangers, we have now been welcomed in to the family of God. And I don't know about you, but anytime a stranger is welcomed in as a family member when they did nothing to deserve it, that's generosity. And Paul says God has been generous, immeasurably generous to us in the church and in Christ Jesus. Then there's a third way that Paul lays out, and he says, here's the third way that we kind of take in the generosity of God, and that is in the generations to come. Uh, In verse 21, Paul ends it. He says, to him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, and then he ends it by saying, throughout all generations, forever and ever. And what Paul's really saying is he's really echoing what had already been said in the Old Testament in Psalms. Here's what Psalms 119 verse 90 says. It says, God, your faithfulness or your generosity continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. Psalm 100 verse 5, this is what the psalmist writes, For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. And his faithfulness or his generosity continues through all generations. Now, I think many times what happens is we as people, especially today, we lose sight, we lose perspective of the generations before us and sometimes the generations after us. Because we we have a sinful fleshly heart, all of us do, we kind of lean into ourselves and we think about us and we think about the here and now and we lose sight of the generations around us. Um, For for us, my wife and I, we have a three-year-old little guy. And and so when we were naming him, kind of like a lot of people do, we begin to think about the generations before him. And so we named my son Braylon Franklin May. And a lot of people that ask us, they're like, Where do you, where'd you get that name? Okay. And so here's the truth and the reality behind that is that Braylon, his first name, is a combination of my name, Bryant, and his great-grandfather, Heather's grandfather, who was named Waylon. And so you put Bryant and Waylon in a little mashup together and you get Braylon. That's what comes out. So his first name is Braylon. His middle name is Franklin. Now, my grandfather, his great-grandfather on my side, was named Benjamin Franklin May. No joke, real life, okay? So we took Franklin, and we put it with Braylon, and his name became Braylon Franklin May. You see, for the rest of his life, every time that he writes his name, every time that he sees it printed somewhere, he may not remember very much, if at all, about his great-grandfather's. He may not even have his father still in the picture with him. But he will know and he will remember that he was impacted by the generations before him. 
You see, I think that's what Paul's trying to help us see in this moment is that God's generosity, his faithfulness is not defined by a moment in time. We see the small picture, but God sees the big picture. And he says, God's generosity, God's faithfulness expands across moments. It expands across time. And he has been generous to us. And as I was reading this passage again this week, and I'm thinking about today and being generosity Sunday, it hit me that you and I today, like we are the beneficiaries of generational generosity. Like when Paul said all generations forever and ever in Ephesians 3.21, what Paul's talking about, he was talking about us. Because when Paul wrote this to the church at Ephesus and he writes out this prayer and he sends them all these commands in Ephesians, the church at Ephesus, they had a choice. They could have blown off Paul. They could have been like, man, like, I don't know about that. Like, we're good. We've got Jesus. But I don't know about all that, like, trying to take it to the generations to come. That sounds like a lot of work. They could have said, you know what? That's a, that, that seems like that's going to be a lot of effort, a lot of energy to try to take this to all the world. Like, Jesus, we don't have a car. We don't have email. How are we going to get this thing out? They could, they could have in that moment gone, that sounds really uncomfortable to, like, think that we would welcome Gentiles into our family because they don't act like us and they don't behave like us. And quite frankly, I don't really like them. They could have said, you know what, that seems really sacrificial. Like, we're probably going to have to give something. We're going to have to give of ourselves to make this thing happen from generation to generation. And the church at Ephesus, let's be real, they could have responded that way. And in that moment, the hope of the gospel could have died right there. But praise Jesus that the church at Ephesus was not just receiving that as a command from Paul. But they were literally overwhelmed at God's generosity to them through Jesus. See, cross and resurrection were in play at this point. And in that moment, they were so overwhelmed by the generosity of God to them that they said, we're going to do whatever it takes to get this thing out. We'll do whatever it takes. And so guess what they did? They told the, the generation after them. And then that generation shared it to the next generation. And that generation took it to the next generation. And somewhere along the line, in comes you and me. And we became recipients of the generational generosity of the church at Ephesus 2,000 years ago that Paul looked at and he said, you guys are not going to get this. You're not going to be able to wrap your mind around it. But guess what? Because of the message that's in you, that's going to go through you, generations and generations forever and ever will bring God glory. And we became recipients of that. And just like the church at Ephesus, we've seen today that we have been recipients of God's generosity in His church. And if you're in Christ, and you've surrendered that old life to exchange it for a new life in Christ, you've experienced the eternity-altering generosity of God to you and to me in Jesus. And today, we've got a chance to practice generational generosity to the generations to come forever and ever, just like was given to you and me. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.